This message is brought to you by The Covenant Nation. Lamentations and chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 20. I thought you two don't know where Lamentations is. All right. <laughs> there was a Lamentation. Nobody has quoted from Lamentation before. All right. Lamentation 3.20. My soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. Verse 21, this I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. Okay, let's go back to 20 and put Amplified Version. Lamentations 3, Amplified Version. Lamentations 3, 12, all right. My soul has them continually in remembrance. And is bowed down within me. Continue to amplify. But this I recall therefore. Have I hope and expectation. It is because of the Lord's mercy. And loving kindness. That we are not consumed. Because his tender mercies. Sorry, his tender compassions fail not. Go on. They are new every morning. Great and abundant is your stability and faithfulness. All right, next verse there. Okay. Right. The Lord is my portion or share, says my living being, my inner self. Therefore, Will I hope in him and wait expectantly for him? Put it in King James 24. 24. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. Next verse. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. So the soul that seeketh him. The next verse, this is, okay. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good, no, we'll stop there. All right, for a man, verse 26. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Now, let's go back to verse 20. Let me read King James. Verse 20, King James. My soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. Go on. This I recall. So. He had certain things in remembrance that God had done in his life. 
And then he said in verse 21, This I recall, verse 21, This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. So by recalling what God had done in the past, he said it creates hope or an expectation for tomorrow. Next verse, and then he goes on. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Then verse 23. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Then 24. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore I will hope in him. Then 25. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. So those that wait for him, he is good unto them. All right, put the scripture back up. And it says, for him, all right, to wait for him. So the soul that seeketh him. And then 26, it is good that a man showed both hope and it says this, quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. So I'm going to speak about this here. That a person does hope that you have an expectation about your future. And it says to quietly, not noisily, but to quietly wait upon the Lord. That you are in quietness there and without any all right, loudness coming out of you. But it tells us where we can get hope for our future. And what the writer said was that when I considered and I recalled the things that you had done in the past in my life. Put that scripture up, verse 21. It says that formed the basis for my hope. I recall. This I recall to my mind. Therefore have I hope. So if you really go through. I mean if you are in a situation. You are faced with things. And it all seems difficult. And all of that. Uh, that's why the Bible says. Um, Consider the former days. If you go diligently into your past, you can find great hope and great expectation by you diligently looking into the things that God has done in the past in your life and seeing how he brought you through certain things. Particularly if you're a Christian, all right, for a while. It says, turn to your stronghold, O ye prisoners of hope. By you diligently going into it, examining areas in your life, and what he was talking about were situations where he felt it was all over and he was defeated and all of that, uh, and God came through for him. He said, I recall this in my mind. And based on that, he said, hope is rekindled on the inside of me. I know that there is a future 
for me, if I could have survived all of this, uh, and I look back into my life and I look at where I am now, then it shows that, look, there is hope there. And many people are not really expectant. Uh, or Robert says, uh, uh, expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. Uh, so many people are just not expectant. In other words, they are not expecting that anything will happen in their lives. Excuse me, if you can turn the, the what do you call it now? Um, what do you call this thing? Not the woofer. You turn that down. All right? All right, so... So, many people don't have that... Um, all right, it's fine. Many people don't have that expectation there. And, and without that expectation, which means that uh, the breeding ground for supernatural things... Uh, can, um, is not within the light. So you must always have been a place where you are hoping for something, uh, where you believe that, uh, what did David say? He says, if I, had, I would have fainted if I had not believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Uh, the Bible says, Abraham, against all hope, believed in hope. Uh, that there was a future there for him. And you can source this future from looking at the things that he has done in your past. And then you now quietly, uh, this is all discussed very quietly, wait for the next major thing that God is going to do in your life. Every major thing that it does, which is a quantum leap that happens in the life of a person, is a direct result of that person waiting on God. Knowing that I have gone as far as I can go, all right, under the circumstances now. If I'm going to move to another level, I have to pull back now and spend a considerable amount of time now waiting on God for the next thing. And in waiting on God, I must be filled with hope and expectation. Yeah, I can't just, all right, be praying with a sense of hopelessness. Uh, I have to, all right, have an expectation. And it says you can tap into that by looking into your past, by by, by looking into things and saying that, oh, God did this, God did that, uh, and say, well, if all this could have happened, then uh, I, I can. Another place where you can get hope, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 15 and verse 4, is by reading through the scriptures and reading through the lives of people, Romans 15, 4, in the scriptures. Whatever things were written aforetime were written for a learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, may have hope. Uh, so you read through the lives of people, uh, you read through accounts and that, and you see how God worked with people in their lives, and you see the end of everything, and that begins to bring about, all right, hope there. 
Now, what we want to do is that in that state of hope, it's not a state of hopelessness. It's a state of expectation. Even the testimonies of people create hope. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, I'm telling people, there is something going on in the world today. There is something going on on the African continent that people should not destroy themselves with hopelessness. I was saying this on Sunday that I just watched on CNN. What do I think? I was talking about young Africans now, even was Nigerians, who are earning $200,000, $300,000. All right. Now, let me pull the testimony so I, I can get this one. I want to read something that happened to a church person, and you just listen to this. Because if you feel, oh, no, I don't have it on this. But if you feel yourself with, this one, the phone that has my, if you feel yourself with hopelessness, all right, you just miss out on several things. And he was saying that he traveled to America and he wanted to stay back. Okay? You know what that means. So in order for it to be legit, he tried applying for jobs and all of that. And he had been confessing God's word and confessing God's word and believing and all of this. He said everybody turned him down. Nobody offered him any job. He came back to Nigeria. He said he was pastor. I had done confession. I had done this. I had done that. He said I was just... He said for one week, I didn't leave my house. I was overwhelmed with sorrow. He said, then I came to church. I'll read it on Sunday because he really gave exact... He says, and then I listened to a message again and something was rekindled in me. I think he said that week or a week after, one of the companies in America he had put in his application that they, know, they told him to go there, I'm taking him, contacted him by email and said they wanted to open a country office in Nigeria. Well, to cut the long story short, it's a kind of NGO and he'll be working with some places in Europe and all of that from Nigeria. And, well, the job was going to pay him in Nigeria, 70,000 U.S. dollars. This is a guy in the church. No, I'm not saying somebody that is far-fetched. You know how much he was earning before that? 120,000 per month. Naira. Do you understand what I'm saying? All right? 120,000 Naira to 70,000 dollars. But it happens because you consciously wait on God. All right? It can't just, it doesn't happen because, you know, you're just going on with your regular life and think that something will just break. That's why the Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall be what? Renewed with strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. If you see anybody who changed their levels, they waited on God. All right? It says they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up. So it is a mode. Before that, they were running and they were walking. Now they are mounting up, which means that they are in perfect alignment with the wind. All right? That has taken them and they are carried by something that is now seasonal. So we need to wait on God, but you wait, all right, with hope, uh, sense of expectancy. Now, what waiting on the Lord will do for you as a person is that it will give you access to the mind of God. So, this waiting on God is not a, just something that you are doing and, you know, uh, you know, you're just waiting for something to happen on the outside. 
uh, God begins to, as you are waiting on him, he starts showing you his mind. It's just like saying, I'm praying now and I'm waiting on God for what back 2023. What he begins to do is that he starts revealing to me his mind concerning the meeting. He starts showing me that, this is what he starts doing, that I want to do this in that meeting. I want to do this in this meeting. And therefore, you know, do this here. All right? Uh, put this person and reallocate him to this particular date. Change this particular thing. This night, this, he starts revealing things and starts showing you his mind. And the real, all right, key to the miraculous, the key to the miraculous is when you have discovered what's on the mind of God for your life, for your situation, for anything there, and you go out and implement it, then what you are going to see is going to be powerful and tangible miracles. That is, you wait on God, they said, so that he begins to drop his thoughts. As he said, my, he talked about, he says, the thoughts that I have towards you are thoughts of good and not of evil to give you a hope. Uh, Jeremiah 29 verse 11. All right, and a future. All right, so there are thoughts he will begin to give. I know the thoughts that I have towards you all right, it says the Lord, thoughts of peace are not of evil to give you an expected end. Put amplified. Uh, one of them says to give you, all right, amplified. All right, I know the thoughts I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts and plans for welfare and peace, not of evil, to give you hope in your final outcome. So what he's going to do is that, now, next verse. Is even in the next verse that the case? He said, if you seek me, that's where I was going to. Next verse, verse 12. He says, then you will call upon me, and you will come and pray, and I will hear and heed you. Next verse. It says, then you will seek me, inquire for, require as a vital necessity. And you will find me when you search for me with the whole of your heart. So he's talking about consecration. That's, a, that's the word I should try to use. That is, every quantum leap in the life of a person comes as a result of some consecration. Consecration there. Means that you consecrate yourself to God and say, God, I want to seek your face, all right, concerning my future. And he begins to pour his thoughts. So he says, to hope and to quietly, and this is done quietly, which means that nobody knows, all right, that you are doing it as one element. And we've got to understand this. Quietly, all right, things, the most effective and the most powerful things are done in silence and they are done quietly. Let me repeat that. The most powerful things that happen on this earth don't happen when people are making noise. Let's say you might think that noise making and shouting and all that right, is where power is. Power is found, there are quiet things that people, it's all done quietly. 
And when you can find, when you come to the place where you have found those quiet, those works that have been done in silence that nobody knows about, but these are the works that God has taught you, all right, to bring about results. Are you following what I'm saying here? It's just like, let me just say this. We, we, we want to, let's say we want to, um, let's say we want to, let's say, okay, let's, all right, okay, okay, let's say we want to do what big. That, that, that's good now. And then we go, say we want to do what big here. And then we are praying. And then we say, now, let's do a road show. Let's just say we do that. We get on the back of buses. Okay? Now, when you are doing that, and everybody's looking at you, you're doing, you know, because we are looking at you, you may think that you are making impact. Do you get what I'm saying? Okay. Now, but we can call a a town hall meeting and say quietly now and then build a strategy for passing Wafbeck alright quietly into the areas of influence of people where all we see is that 1,000, I'm going to announce announce it on Sunday. 1,000 people, let's just say that 1,000 people, 1,000 of you, there's no noise. Write down this and then we describe in that strategy meeting. This is the demographic of the type of people that will respond to Wafbeck. Because we have gone into the history of the meeting and looked at the data, all right, of attendance and found out, because if you study the data, you will know that the meeting appeals to a certain type of people. Do you get what I'm saying here? Who probably went to certain types of churches and who probably are within a bracket here, it responds them. Now you get that. Quietly now. You now have the meeting and you show the data to a thousand people. And say, identify 10 people in your own network that fits into this demographic. Now, what you are going to do is to call them every day from now till Wafbeck, greeting them and saying hello and all of this. Now, what we are going to do for you is that we're going to print, I'm just saying, it's just coming to my head now, eh? journals, um, new, um, um, like diaries, mugs, and all of that, give it to them as Christmas presents. Do you get what I'm saying? Now, somebody else is doing, Fanfa doesn't build relationships. Do you get what I'm saying? There's no relationship between the person here and you. People do things because of relationship. People respond because you show you care. Do you get what I'm saying here? All right? Now, you don't hear the other person. In fact, you may not even see them running radio promo. No television advert. Everything is quiet. Ah, you are you not doing program? 
Ah, uh, wait. You will see we are doing program. Uh, you get what I'm saying? Now, even if you get 50% results, 50% results on those 1,000 people, right, who went out to meet 10 people, and half of them responded, you are going to have 6,000 people inside that building. Do you get what I'm saying? And the money you will spend on and uh, channels, let's say promo, and, um, and all of that can't match this. Because you will tell the people on the morning of Wafbeck, place a phone call again and tell them, I'll be waiting at the gates for you. It's today. Do you get what I'm saying? So, they are quiet when you say people are doing things quietly. That's right. If you go to camp now, it's, it's be packed out. You know why? Because they have a strong network. Alright? You won't see them driving. But the whole place will be filled with millions of people because they are doing things. So you must get to the place where, look at what it says in Second Thessalonians 3.12. When people are making too much noise, it's, it's actually a proof that thing people say is true. The empty barrels make the loudest noise. See what it says here. It says, now them that are such we command and exhort by the Lord Jesus Christ that with what quietness they walk and eat their own bread. That with quietness, just you just tell people who want to accomplish something, and it must be without noise. Then they start thinking. When it's with noise, they don't think. Uh, do you get what I'm saying? Because noise, people don't say, hey, so what should we do? Uh, someone just say, face card. Someone just say, teacher. It's all money and noise. But when you tell people, all we have to spend is 50,000 naira, or you think. Think, think, think. Then people now start getting into that quiet work, which is the most effective way, all right, of getting things done. So, sake God, we're saying this where you are quiet here, for noiseless works. When you have found noiseless works, you have found the secret to real advancement. Where you find, when you have found noiseless works, then you have found the secret to real advancement. Real work is done in silence. So you are waiting upon God, all right, in silence there. That God, we are taking, making a quantum leap here. And I start consciously waiting on you. And I have hope, all right? I'm doing this with hope. We'll get to it. The Bible says rejoicing in hope, which means I'm praising you, God, with an expectation that you are going to move powerfully in my life. Now, quietness also involves this. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 1. It involves staying out of strife. 
and uh, all right, that competitive spirit with other people and maintaining your own lane. Proverbs 17.1 says, Better is a dry muscle and quietness thereof than a house full of sacrifices with strife. All right? So you understand that, and we say this, for you to prosper. And Isaac knew this. All the patriarchs that carried the blessing knew the cancer to spiritual effectiveness and the blessing is strife. Uh, Copeland says, I says, the cancer to the anointed. He says, strife is cancer in the spirit realm. That's why uh, Isaac got to a place, he said, well, this place doesn't look as lucrative as where the wealth were. But God has made room for us. There is no strife in this place. We are going to be fruitful in this land. So he chose a dry muscle with quietness rather than a house full of sacrifices with strife. Do you get what I'm saying? All right? So, a place of quietness there. Rather than going into any place, right, that has strife. And God honors these things. These are decisions that people make. That God, all right, will honor. That instead of you trying to force something, right, you accepted what was, what was, I mean, Isaac could have been struggling. But you accepted what was uh, compliant with you and, and, and there was that compatibility there. And what you decided to do is that we will build, all right, from this particular place of agreement. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 6. Ecclesiastes 4 and 6. I mean, anybody that does competition with me, you, if, you, if I start sensing you are going to competition in ministry, I just give my distance. No matter how I just move myself back. Okay? When I just sense that it's competition and all of that, I just, I just say, all right, all right, all right, Okay? I, I'm, I, I, that's how I know relationships to maintain and relationships. Because, look, you can't be sitting in your house and be thinking about, you know, when you get in there, you start thinking, but, I mean, how can people believe in you? For what? You don't know what the person will do next. What? No, 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 no. We don't need all this stress. The energy is too much. So stay away from strife. All right? Those who carry the spirit knew that strife is a cancer. Move away from people that are competitive. Okay? I mean, I knew somebody wants. So, I'm passionate put up something on Twitter. I said, I, I want to thank God. He put it up, I think, two Wabekalo for Pastor Waddle's life. What he's doing in the body of Christ. I've been watching Wabekalo. One minister saw it and sent a message to me. Me too also. Um, one of the elders in Redeem was saying that Pastor Waddle was talking about Oga. We are not fighting now. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're not. It's not that we are fighting. They, I mean, the man said he's watching. Does that mean that you two must say your own? All right, and then you again, you'll be sending me. Uh, oh God, no, we are not fighting. You understand? What I'm saying we are not fighting. This is not this is not competition. All right, 
So those kind of, if you do that kind of thing, I will start praying for you, that you prosper. No, I really do. Because I've seen that people who genuinely serve others, the way will be clear for them. If you genuinely from your heart, genuinely from your heart, support other people, all right, when they are doing their own things, you will not see the challenges that come on your own if you genuinely from your heart. That, th- that law is correct. It was a minister in church that showed me. Our brother wrote, he said, he said, your pastor, he knows what he's saying. He, so he said, look, I tried. I believed God for this and this. It wasn't working. He said, then I left it alone. I was because our brother, blah, blah, I said, I said, praying for all of us in the family, the rest of all that you prosper. He said, he said, this thing came to meet me. If you genuinely, Psalm 144, verse 10 to 15. It is he that giveth salvation unto kings, who delivereth David his servant from the hurtful sword. And what's a hurtful sword? Verse 11. Verse 11. Read me and deliver me from the hands of strange children. This is what we call in modern times, frenemies. Keep it there now. Whose mouth speaketh vanity, and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. Verse 12. That our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, our daughters as cornerstones polished after the similitude of a palace. Verse 13. That our garners may be full, affording all manner of store, that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our streets. Verse 14. That our oxen may be strong to labor, that there be no breaking in or going out, that there be no complaining in our streets. Happy, it says this, is the people that such is the case. Happy is these people, which means they've been written there. God has removed strange people who put that right hand off falsehood. That's why I said, anywhere you see the competition where people, all right, get competitive, just pull back from those kinds of experiences there. So, you want to wait on God, right, quietly with hope inside your heart. Because the Bible says you have God, you have hope. There, is still, there, is, there are major events that God has planned in your life major event. You see, in God, except when you are waiting on God consciously, is there really no, quote and unquote, aggressive advancement in your life? Once the time of waiting on him and that there's an internal activity that is going on, which means you're in a place of revelation where he's revealing things to you and preparing you for that next thing, which is he's taking the bottle there and, and, and working on the bottle to prepare that bottle for the things he wants to do. That's yourself because what he wants to do is totally different from things that you have experienced in the past. So he wants all right, to work with you as up on you as a person outside of that you should be having interesting times in the spirit real advancement quantum leaps you should be that's the life that we have in christ jesus so when you wait and these thoughts come to you 
what, what, what's the nature? What was the results there of waiting on God? What, I mean, we said those thoughts will come, you implement those thoughts, and, and massive and major things happen. All right? Look at Numbers chapter 16 and verse 28. Moses said, hereby you shall know that the Lord hath sent me to do all these works and have not done them of my own mind. In other words, these are not my ideas. He was saying, you will know. He said, if, if, if something normal happens, then God didn't send me. He said, but he was saying, he said, once things come out of the mind of God, in fact, he said, if these men die a common death, if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. That's if, if it happens naturally, that is just a natural occurrence of things, is what happens to other people that is happening. He says, then God didn't send me. He said, because he, when God sends you, when you have the mind of God, when he, he drops his thoughts into your heart, and it's not just your own idea. They're, that's the security that we have. It's the ideas that come from God that are, and thoughts that come from, and thoughts are spiritual. I'm going to show you something today. And those thoughts come from God. He said, look, things that will happen will not be things that are common to men. How do you access that? Simple. Leviticus chapter 24 and verse 12. Leviticus 24 and verse 12. Oh, my time is gone. And they put him in word that the mind of the Lord may be shown unto them. So there was a decision they were to make about a young man and said, look, just go and put him in a room somewhere and let's just wait on God here. And that's what he wants you to do. All right? Just take time and just wait upon him until he begins to show you his mind concerning, all right, what you want to do. Right? God, my career. God, my future. God, What's really on your mind? Now, thoughts are spiritual. Let me just show you. Thoughts. You know, why the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh, but against blood, but against principalities, against powers, rulers of darkness. We all like to look on the outside. Ah, wrestle not against flesh and blood. But you are dealing with thought patterns. That's why it says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. So the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination and every high thing, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience. So this battle against principles, against powers, against rulers of this darkness of this world, it's, it's, it's actually a battle. The battleground is in your thought life. Uh, all right? The spirits are walking, all right, through thoughts in people. So if they want you to make a wrong decision, there are certain thoughts that they have inserted and strongholds that they have built within the consciousness that that person is making the and says, yes, we will control this person's life in this particular way. Let me show you something that is very interesting. Look at Mark chapter 5 and verse 7. The man who got Jesus cast out the demon from. Just look at what he says. All right? Maybe next week I'll teach on this mind because I was going to go on to it, but I said, let's do this first. And he cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, son of the Most High? I adjure thee that thou torment me not. For he said, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he said, My name is Legion, for we are many. And they besought him that he would not send them away into a, out into a country, but cast them, verse 11, all right, there was near a head of swine feeding. Verse 12, 
And he now says, and all the devils besought him, saying, send us into the swine that we may enter into them. Verse 13. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went in and entered into the swine, and the head ran violently. So, anyway, you are seeing violence. Okay? Those of you that say you do violence on social media. Listen. Why you are seeing group violence is a spirit. Okay? Now, keep it here. It says, down to steep place, and there were about 2,000, and they were choked in the sea. Now, look at what happened in verse 14. And they that fed the swine fled unto the city, and they went and do what was done. Verse 15. It says, look at what it says. And they came to Jesus, and they saw him that was possessed with the devil, and had the legion sitting and clothed in his what? Right mind. That means those devils were affecting his what? Mind. That's why the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a what? Sound mind. It's spiritual. That means the spirit there reflects in how your mind functions. So when a person is taking in the spirit there, you are taking in thoughts into your mind. You are taking in thoughts into your mind, which means thoughts are coming into, all right, your mind. So, as you wait there to find the mind of the Lord, now, the same way, the swine ran violently because of, they made a decision, all of them violently ran there. When the thoughts of God begin to come into the person of that uh, person here, uh, from that place of quietness, they just decide, I'm making a decision. What are you making? An audacious thing that they attempt. The Bible says, they that know their Lord shall be strong and do exploits. Because what has entered in our thoughts. So, during that time, so they are clear. It's a person that hasn't, the person hasn't waited on God. They say, nah, it can't work. But they are clear as to it. I spent time praying, God, what's the next big thing we've got to get into? He says, get into house churches. We announced the number went up to 400. You go and wait up. 400 people want to do it. I said, well, studying and studying, getting thoughts. I saw that everybody that started and succeeded started, first of all, with about 30. Say this one, calm down. Thoughts are coming into you. Are you following me? So let's start small and then we'll now begin to include, all right, and that. So, Lord, how do, we, how do we reduce the number that he teaches you? Then, minister said to me, then, you see, because once something starts entering to you, those other thoughts will begin to come. Listen to this. The fastest growing church in the world today. Which country do you think is in? Uh, okay, I give you three guesses. I, I'll give you a price. If you get it. So you guess. Yes? Three guess. No, three. Uh, you? Say your own. Okay. Ah, you, you try to. <laughs> huh? Who? So you're going to get a price. So what type of telef- uh, phone do you want? Which type of phone do you want? Samsung. Samsung what? Just call the Samsung. Eh? <laughs> Or you want to make a call to... You want to ask a friend. Which one do you want? Samsung what? 
Who is staff here? Anybody in the office here? Who? Is? James. As you tell Patrick, we are start up. Tell them tomorrow, Patrick should bring an S10. But I don't think you said the right thing. So I will give you an S20. Or I shall give him an S20. Okay. How do you know it's right? So call, pa- call Patrick and tell him to bring it tomorrow at 10 a.m. How do you know it's right? How do you know? Okay, that's good. It's in Iran. But do you hear any noise? It's Iran. Do you hear any noise? Have you ever seen there's a man of God in Iran? No, no, no. Because they are killing all their leaders. That's what's going on. So if you show yourself as a star there, that's why I said President said North Korea was closed. Because it's those countries. What they are using are house churches. And it was one that said, Pastor, this thing you are saying. It's house churches. I said, Christians, we make too much noise. Too much noise. Psalm 37, verse 17. Some people are looking at me as ask another question. <laughs> Say, this man, just ask another question. <laughs> you are no longer listening to the message. Say, ask another question. Just ask here. You will know who is who. All right. <laughs> Psalm 37 verse 17. Of verse 7. Ah, Sorry. Okay, verse 7. Rest in the Lord... And wait patiently for him. So it says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him that who prospereth in his way. Because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. So it says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Don't fret. In other words, when you are... You are waiting on the Lord. It says, rest, don't be fretful. That means, don't let there be anxiety because those are thoughts. Anxiety is a thought. And we're showing that those are spirits walking. And so it's a spirit that is walking. It says, you're just rest in him. Now, because he is going to, he is going to start opening up. That's why he says, the thoughts that I have towards you, remember, are thoughts of good and not of evil, thoughts of peace. And that's why he says, the peace of God that passeth all understanding shall guard your heart. In other words, the answer comes in those thoughts that enter into you. And God begins to show you his thoughts. Now, quickly, Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 15. Quickly. Ah. I haven't gotten to the message. Oh. It says, for thus hear the Lord, in returning and in what rest shall you be saved? In what quietness and confidence shall be your strength? Now, that returning there, and it says rest in the Lord and wait. So, you return and rest. Now, now go to the next verse. 
It says, but they said, no, we'll flee upon horses. In other words, you'll just start doing things again. Therefore shall you flee. We'll ride upon the swift. Therefore they that pursue you shall be swift. So you start getting yourself into father and father. You get what I'm saying here? Huh? I don't. That idea didn't work next time again. Father and father and father, we'll do another one. Okay? Now, you do that. Next one. It says, a thousand shall flee at the rebuke of one, and the rebuke of five shall you flee, until you be left as a bacon on the top of a mountain, as an ensign on the hill. Next verse. He said, therefore the Lord will wait, that he may be what? Gracious unto you. Therefore will he be exalted, that he may have mercy on you. God is a God of judgment. Blessed are they that do what? Wait for him. Now, when he says, in returning and rest... You know what he's talking about? That return he's talking about. You know when Jesus healed the ten lepers? Jesus said, where are the others? Only one returned. So that returning there, which means all you are looted that you are doing, which is guesswork, not the mind of God that is revealed to you for that situation. He said, first of all, come back. And what you do is start praising me for all the things I've done for you. And you will find out that most of what God did, you may have prayed about it, but you didn't know you were praying about it when you were praying in the Spirit. Are you following what I'm saying here? In other words, the man that went to America came back, wasn't praying for the job that he got, consciously. But that's why when you speak in tongues, you are praying the mind of God. But not your own mind. That's what you're praying mysteries, which is the mind of God. So what you're doing is you're praying now God's mind. Now, interpretation means what God you prayed out, you now get the, you interpret, and that's where you have peace of God that pastor will understand. So it says return and rest, which means come and discover God. How God does his things. Look into your life very well and you'll discover that these things that you are doing are not the real reason why the things happened. Now he says, you be gracious unto thee at the voice of thy cry. Now begin to pray unto him and say, Lord, all right, open your mind, let me know. Now, I'll close this. Now what does he do? Go, go to the next verse there. It says, next verse, all right, no, no, no. We've gotten to the right. He will answer thee. Yes, he will answer thee. For those that will move, no, he'll be very grateful with the answer thee. Verse 20. It says, Though the Lord grieve you the bread of adversity and water of affliction. You know what I want to tell you? The condition of your life is based on what you are feeding on spiritually. There's what is called the bread of adversity. In other words, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. If you go on, go to verse 23. Verse 23. And you shall give the rain of the seed, and you will eat the word bread of the increase. There is something called bread of increase, which means when you eat that bread, you start experiencing increase. There is something called bread of adversity. When you eat that bread, you start experiencing adversity. Do you understand? What I'm saying? Bread are thoughts. That's what I was going to get to. That you take in. You can now begin to say that God, so when you are waiting on him, he changes it and brings you into a diet and you start feeding on the bread of the increase of the earth. You will come to understand what brings increase on this earth. That's why Jesus, when he went to heal somebody, said, he said, you can't give the bread of the children and give it to dogs. 
They are what is called bread. Wisdom said, I've set my table. That's what I was going to get to in this way. Back. All right. I've said, I've mingled my wine. He said, my bread is there. Come and eat it. When they came to meet Jesus, and they said to him, Jesus, we've come for loaves. Jesus said, why are you laboring for that meat that doesn't endure to eternal life? Come and eat the bread of life, which I will give unto you. And they said, which bread? Our fathers gave us manna. He said, they ate manna and they died. This bread is the true one, which means you start feeding and God starts showing you thoughts. And what begins to happen is a streamline of those thoughts begin to come in. You start feeding on those things, feeding on those things. After some time, it becomes impossible for you to think any other thing apart from that particular level. Are you, you understand? It's the way you think. There are thoughts there, which means it's, it's the way people, and it's the thoughts of people that must change. I, I mean, I mean, I mean, you'll find people that, you'll find people that, just like the coach of, of, of Saudi Arabia, he was saying this. I mean, he was, he was saying, I mean, it was quite funny. And I close to this. He's a French coach. He's a, no, no, he's a French coach from France, French, from France. And he can't speak Arabia. So he needs an interpreter. But the interpreter cannot speak French. And doesn't understand French. So he has to speak English for the interpreter to interpret to Arabia. So he was, I know he won't be very good in English. So he was saying, but he was telling them, what's the problem with you people? You go on the field. When they were playing with um, Argentina, he said, you see Messi. You people are behaving like you want to take yourself. Take a photograph with him. Take selfie. They are no longer in the World Cup because he said, when Messi is going, you are watching Messi. See, so what happened was that they had the inferiority complex. And if you have inferiority complex, you can, never def- you can never go beyond people you think you are inferior to. Now, to change inferiority complex is not a shaggy. I'll behave arrogant. It's your thoughts. That's why when they beat Argentina, to show his inferiority complex, they declared public holiday. They gave everybody Rolls Royce. That's the end. Their World Cup has ended. They lost the next two matches. But it's a manifestation of what? Inferiority complex. And the truth about it is the company that you keep is a reflection of the way you think. Once you start growing in your thought life, that initial company you have would not like the way you are thinking again. And they're going to fight you. Are you following me? I'm sorry. Come and say, oh, we can make it. What do you mean we can make it? What kind of object? Well, we can't make it. Can't make it. The only way you can make it is you leave this country. You can't make it. So, you are surrounded by people that and that's how the head mentality starts. All right? And sometimes I say it's quietly. So that person quietly is studying. You know, let me tell you this. Ah. In 1994, I, I just finished, Bishop I just me to minister. I went for a conference in his church. Ah, he said, ah. You know, people come, we were just saying this on the pulpit. So people come and meet me, they say, we've, done it, we've broken globally, we've done this all over the world. And he said, God told me, sit down. He was saying to the pulpit, sit down by me, and I will teach you statutes. 
He said, he told, he said, all these people, it was talking about contemporaries that are running around the whole place. He said, I was talking to one of his contemporaries recently. He wanted to do something. Ah, he told me. His contemporary said, ah, I made a mistake. I should have done what Bishop Oedipo did. Sat down with church and built my churches. He said, I did it. He said, I was doing service everywhere. He said, look at how it is today. So what I'm saying is that once you start feeding on bread, it changes the way you think. That's why people can seem to even have overtaken you, but the conviction is this is the way you are supposed to do it. Do you get what I'm saying here? But you are there eating that bread. Next week I'll talk about this. Because you eat. There are thoughts you feed from God's word that, that you can't think of yourself as being sick. There, if you say, I want to double my income, there are thoughts that will, God will give to you that after some time, you just see yourself with twice that income. And it happens. Are you following me? It just happens. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word and by the power of your spirit. I ask that you establish us in this truth, cause it to expand within our consciousness. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.